Welcome into Second Down right here on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Urshery. Glad to have you all hanging out with us here on this Wednesday afternoon. Have so much to dive into on the show today. we got Georgia-Auburn coming up this week. We have Texas and Oklahoma in a game cam that I think is being highly underrated. It's going, it's just flying under the radar. A lot of college game day catching some flag for heading there instead of to uh, Penn State, Iowa. But I think Texas, Oklahoma flying under the radar. We'll dive into that. We're going to talk about and go back and look. And I'm going to, I'm going to have, let people argue with me if they want to. The top five games of the past 20 years from the Georgia Auburn rivalry. Just going back through and looking at some of that today, there have been some awesome games that we've forgotten about, and I want to go through and I want to digest some of those. So we're going to do all that coming up today. Obviously, Braves baseball uh, coming up on Friday. So we do have a programming note that is a 4 o'clock game on Friday. So you're going to have about roughly 20 minutes of three and out, but you'll get all of us on Friday. And then the Braves-Brewers game one of that series coming up on Friday. Uh, We'll have the coverage of that coming up for you. And just big-time college football coming this weekend. So, so much. Uh, I think tomorrow we have some baseball going on with some White Sox and Astros going on. I think that's a 4 o'clock pitch as well. So you know just, who I'm cheering for. Just just playoff. Well, anybody but the Astros, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. thank you. So, just playoff <laughs> baseball coming your way soon. This, is to me, Cam, is the best time of the year. Mm. Like, when does the NBA tip off? Next week. Like the actual season starts? Because yeah, I know I, we're in preseason right now. I want to say that actually, if not next week, it'd be the week after. I think it starts on the nineteenth. But it's just we got all the sports back, baby. We got this baseball. Is, this is the this is everything. the most just chaotic but best time of the year when you have yeah. regular season yeah. NBA basketball. You have college footballs coming down to the last few weeks of the regular season. The NFLs really get into the full swing of things. It's just and then of course playoff baseball. Mm. Yeah, this is, it's the <laughs> best time of year. I think my peak time during the uh, sports is probably like Thanksgiving. That's when things really get real. Um, it, it just gets real, definitely for football. You like to see, you know, come play, p- come that time Thanksgiving. It's playoff implications. Got basketball, um, you know, riling up. I'm, I'm excited because, you know, you know, basketball is back. That's one thing. But now we get to see some of these teams compete in college football and play some of the meat of their conference schedules and, you know, break some things down. So I'm excited. Again, so much to dive into here. Also, uh, Cam, we're going to be joined by a special guest coming up at 2.45, so make sure you stick around for that. Even Cam doesn't know. No, I don't, I don't know who today. we're talking about. And, and then coming up in the next segment, we'll dive into uh, those top five games from the past 20 years of the Georgia-Auburn series. But I want to start with some college football news and some college football storylines because I think week after week we just underrate how good the week's going to be. And this weekend – there's so much going on. You have a top four matchup between Penn State and Iowa coming up. And a lot of now the storyline coming out of the Big Ten is yeah, you have a top four matchup, but maybe the best team in the Big Ten is even playing in this game because it seems like Ohio State's yeah. got some stuff figured out and they're starting to roll and they might cruise through this conference. I don't know if cruise is the word I would use, but I also don't know that I would disagree that Ohio State's the best team in this conference because they just have so many weapons on offense. They got some some question marks on defense and you still have a bunch of undefeated teams inside the Big Ten. Michigan hasn't been beaten yet. Iowa hasn't been beaten yet. Penn State hasn't been beaten yet. But Michigan State. But, I mean, yeah. if, I, if I throw all of those – yeah, Michigan State. Uh, yeah. Mel Tucker doing a heck of a job up there. <laughs> yeah. and so I, if I, But if I threw all those teams out, if I said Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, Iowa, Ohio State, who would you have the most confidence in not losing a game for the rest of the year? Uh, definitely Ohio okay. State. They got those five stars out there. Um, 
they still know how to throw the ball. They still know how to play some good offense. So and you but, had and you had C.J. Stroud coming out, and mm-hmm. it was it was Justin Fields' team last year, and yeah. so now you have a guy who comes out and he struggles I mean, in, a, in a couple of games, and then you bench him, and now then it's all awkward, and then quote, he's quote unquote hurt, and so I think now they're starting to catch their stride a little bit, and the door I think has been open for them. Let me ask you this, and I, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit yesterday, but. Let me pull up Ohio State's schedule for you real quick. Because, oh, I got it. Oh, you I got, got it right here. Roll, roll through the rest of Ohio it's, State's schedule. It's, it's easy. It favors them. Um, well, like, tell me who they would have to beat to get to Maryland. Okay. W. Indiana. Yep. Okay. And then you have Penn State, but at home, at Nebraska, at home against Purdue and Michigan State, and then at Ann Arbor for Michigan, which we all love that noon kickoff game. But it's it, the schedule favors them. Okay. So let me give you the rest of another team's schedule. Okay. Cal, UCLA, Colorado, Washington, <laughs> Washington State, Utah, Oregon State. Oregon. Yeah, that's Oregon's schedule. That is Oregon's schedule. Now. I heard two losses. I, even if they don't. Let's just say but both of these yeah. teams roll through here, right? And both of them are undefeated and win their conference championship. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, say Ohio State beats Iowa. Okay. In the Big Ten championship. Okay. Which resume is better? You got to go with Ohio State, even though uh, Oregon has that head to head. Oregon beat them at their place. Because that, that would mean Ohio State, if they beat Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan win, win out, that's like, what, three top 15 wins? Roughly, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty tough. And one of them's on the road, two of them at home. But, I mean, that, that loss to Oregon, I'm sorry. I mean, I know it's 35-28, but it was, the score was a bit worse than that. That but hurt. I, th- I think that it was early enough in the season, though, that they could eat it and they can go with the narrative of we, we hadn't caught our stride yet. That's like, true. Like, you're going to lose a game in the season, regular season. Like, not everybody's Alabama where you can go 15-0 and win the national championship. I know LSU 2019 was the first time we'd ever even seen that a team go 15-0 and in FBS and win a championship. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, it's not going to – happen you're going to lose a game more likely than not during the season I think Ohio State lost at the right time and they can write that off they want Oregon to win I think I, I think they want Oregon to win out so they can be like look I mean we lost but this, that's the Pac-12 champ that we lost to but mm-hmm. we we then got better and we beat all of these teams yeah it's still gonna be tough sledding though I think that Penn State defense is pretty good Michigan State's no slouch and then I still don't know about Michigan but it's on the road so and Harbaugh hasn't beat them ever yet so I'm, he's pumped up for this. Yeah, they beat what Rutgers like twenty to thirteen or something like that, and then Ohio State just eviscerated. Yeah, Rutgers. So it's still you can see the discrepancy between those two teams, but it's exciting. I, I love outside of one and two. I think that's set in stone. I really do think it's set in stone. You don't we for the first time in years we don't know what three and four will look like. We really don't. It's and about five I, six teams. I really don't want to get too far into like the playoff predictions because so many weird things are going to happen this year I mean we're what five weeks into the season so many more crazy things are going to happen but it is interesting because I do think there's a little bit of a picture it's very faint and it's blurry Mm -hmm. but it's starting to take shape a little bit and I think some of the teams we buried early are starting to come back one of those being and it's wild to say that Oklahoma they haven't lost a game but they also (laughs) haven't really played a full complete dominating performance like even Ohio State they have the one loss but they've also put some games together where they just absolutely trounced up some pretty good FBS teams Oklahoma just hanging on week after week after week like it took a West Virginia blowing that game 
for them to hold on in that game. They had to hold on and beat Nebraska, right? Kansas State almost got them this past week. So, I mean, mm-hmm. Tulane to start the season where you were supposed to play on the road at Tulane, but then you got to play it at home technically as the way team, but you were at home, and you, that was a one-score game with Tulane had a chance to tie it or win it late in that football game. Oklahoma has not been great yet. Yeah, I mean, but they also have like I will take the team that has been great yet, but has the proven commodity. And Spencer Rattler is a proven commodity. It's their schedule still scary. Texas uh, this Saturday that could be an L, and then I go down. I I think in Waco and Baylor could be a scare, and, and then the Oklahoma State, Oklahoma yeah, State. Might that's be what most, I was about to say. They still might be the most quiet, undefeated team in the country. Yep, they got to go to Stillwater like to play Kentucky, Oklahoma State. Them in Kentucky, like if you ask the average college football yeah. fan, like, hey, uh, hundred dollars. Kentucky and Oklahoma State undefeated. They're gonna be like, no. Yeah, I mean they still got a tough schedule. Iowa State. I mean Iowa State hasn't been too good, but I mean they still have some games to be played, and they haven't looked good. And a possible slip up or two can, you know, drop them out the rankings. But right now they're undefeated, top six team in the country right now, rank wise. So mm-hmm. we'll just have to see. Time will tell. And I think Texas. It's a good test for them. I, no, I think this is really yeah. dangerous because it I is. think Texas has figured something out. Uh, number one, hand the ball to B. John Robinson because mm-hmm. he might be the best running back in college football. The dude is filthy running the football. But the flip side of that is they, they've replaced their quarterback. Sarkeesian's gotten more comfortable calling plays for this team. And I think Texas all of a sudden is a really dangerous team. They're, I think they're better than what their ranking says at number 21. They had to hold on to beat TCU last week, but that was at TCU. And I respect games like that because TCU, TCU has historically owned Texas over the past mm-hmm. decade or so. I think their record uh, in the past 12 years was like 3-9 and nine against yeah. TCU. So I, I respect games like that where you can overcome a rival that has, for the past few years, own that series but look what they did the two weeks after the Arkansas game they come home and they can kind of reset against Rice and they beat them 58 to nothing and then they put 70 on Texas Tech they put up 10 touchdowns yeah I missed that on Texas Tech so they're figuring some stuff out right there and I think it started with the quarterback position putting Thompson in at quarterback there because he has been phenomenal in that Texas Tech game had 303 yards five touchdowns Bijan Robinson at 137, and then you go to that TCU game, and again, on the ground, Robinson, 35 carries, 216 yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah, and I, I will put it like this. If Texas gets this upset against Oklahoma this week, then they're we, right back in the They're the right back. They're, they jump from 21 to like 10 or 11. I mean, they jumped that high. It, we've seen it this year. We saw Clemson drop from, what was it, 9 to 25, so we could see a team jump from 21 to 10. You're talking Easily. about a jump. You see the jump Kentucky made? Yeah, unranked to 15. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. So you see what happened. And they beat Florida. Imagine being a top 16 hey, like listen, Oklahoma. All, all I know is uh, one team went into Kentucky this weekend and came out with a win. Mm-hmm. That's your alma mater. Savannah State Tigers going up there, taking out <laughs> Kentucky State, taking out the thoroughbreds. <laughs> Did not know that. But I will I will say 17. this. I, I need to catch a game. Um, I know they play this Saturday, and next week is homecoming. 6 p.m. this Saturday. Next week's homecoming against Clark Atlanta. I'll be at one of those two. I'm, I'm hoping homecoming. So, Coach Quinn, if you're listening, I need to holler at you. <laughs> no, we, we, we got you. We'll, we'll get the hookup. We'll, we'll get with Josh Peacock. Yeah. We'll have that conversation. But, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, this weekend's going to be fun. Because yeah. I think we're going to – I mean, look, if we, did stick, we do a stick a fork in them. If Texas loses, they're done. Yeah, they are. But they are. all of a sudden, if they beat Oklahoma, yeah. they're right back into this. Yeah, they got some tough teams to play, but I mean, 
they're right back into it. They, the, the last meet of their schedule, I mean, at Iowa State, at West Virginia, at Baylor, then Oklahoma State and Kansas State. But this is, how I about, mean. Uh, how about Arkansas Ole Miss? Ooh, man, we're we going into Arkansas, deep waters with As <laughs> crazy as this sounds, and I know everybody kind of buried Arkansas after what happened in Athens, which, I mean, no. understandably so. Understandably so. You, you only had, uh, you went three and out. Mm-hmm. On seven out of your ten drives, and we've said that a lot, but they, they, you can't say that enough. They had a unbelievably bad performance against Georgia, and a lot of that is because Georgia's that good. Yeah. But a lot of that is mm-hmm. you had a bad day, and uh, this is something I want to discuss too, because Kirby Smart's talking about this for Georgia going into Auburn. He said this is the first time roughly half of his roster mm-hmm. is going to play a true SEC road game because Vanderbilt don't count. Yeah, it, no, it doesn't. Like no. this is the first time. About half of this roster, freshmen, sophomore, are going to go in and have to play in a hostile road environment because the last time Georgia really did that was 2019. Even your starting quarterback, I mean, JT. J- JT's playing some big games. Yeah, he's played big games, but it's not, not but in Jordan not for Hare. Georgia. Yeah, not yeah. for Georgia. I think he went to Texas as a freshman okay. and played in that, but it, mm-hmm. he's played in some big games. But, yeah, I mean, not in a situation like that. We don't even know if JT Daniels is going to play. It's so true. it's uh, it's going to be interesting. And Stetson Bennett hasn't had a great track record on the road either, which is kind of scary. I mean, the last time he was in the state of Alabama, yeah, you were leading at halftime. Yeah, and then, and then that second half got rough. Some bad passes, but right. So I, I still I like Stetson. I, I do I do respect him. I mean, I, I think George's gonna be like heavily favored in this game, regardless of who yeah. the quarterback is. It just gets it gets it's a little little scary because even Stetson's dealing with a little bit of injury. He had a big laceration on his leg, and he's got a, a low back thing apparently that he's dealing with. So this, I mean, I want to I want to know like the progression of Vandegrift. He came in highly, you know, yeah, recruited. I, 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 the I only, really only way that, that he gets in there is if JT Daniels' lat is just screaming in pain so much that he can't throw a ball. Stetson Bennett gets decapitated. Carson Beck throws three interceptions. Like, that's the only way hey. we're seeing old Brock. I, I wanted to see him, like, in this kind of situation because I'm like, this is supposed to be the heir apparent. I mean, we were he's a highly talented recruit. I thought he was the heir apparent to the heir apparent. I thought like uh yeah. I thought Carson Beck was the guy next year and then you have Brock and then after Brock you'll have uh, Gunnar Stockton. I, I went to then... see Brock before Carson. That's what I wanted to see. Cuz I mean, you got the five star. He this is supposed to be the guy with the not, not the to legs and the arm. too much, but I, if I had to think you you will probably end up seeing that next yeah. year. The legs, the guy. arm, he just got the swag, the yeah. the hair. That's what you wanted to see. Um, but we'll have to see what happens Saturday. We'll find out. But again, I think this yeah. is interesting because you do have a lot of. Uh, just going back to my original point, Arkansas. That was a, the first time a bunch of those guys had been in a game like that. Like the week before, they had played in Dallas, but that was a neutral site, so half of the fans there were yours. Yeah. They hadn't played with ninety three thousand people screaming at them, right? And so I think that got to them a little bit. And obviously, again, Georgia's just really good. But this week you have Arkansas at Ole Miss. Love the Grove. Mm-hmm. Love it. But that's mm-hmm. not the same kind of environment as Sanford Stadium. No. Nah. So I think Arkansas has a chance. They still technically control their own destiny. Because yeah. if they can beat Ole Miss, their only loss in the SEC is to an Eastern Division team. If they can beat Ole Miss and then they still have Alabama down the road. Auburn. I mean, you, you, go, you go into like a one-game scenario with Alabama. Like, listen, if we win, maybe we get a rematch against Georgia. I know, <laughs> I know it's far-fetched. I know. No, it's not. Because it I was no, the one is. saying the same thing. It is, thing. Cam. It is. It I, is. It is technically correct. It is not probable. It I is mean, props, technically correct. But props the, to Ar- Arkansas, though. But they the, have a hard schedule. The truth is, Arkansas yeah. controls their own destiny. No, it's true. 
It's true. And so this is a big week for them. I think this is an awesome slate. I want to take a quick break, though. I want to come back, talk about some of the top five games, or talk about the top five games, in my humble opinion, for the past 20 years from this Georgia-Auburn series. We'll do that next right here on ESPN Radio. Got the Deep South's oldest rivalry coming up this weekend. And I know, I think it's so lame. North Carolina and Virginia Tech call their rivalry the, the South's oldest rivalry, which is just incredibly lame. Georgia and Auburn technically played their first game before North Carolina and Virginia Tech played theirs, but I think the reason they call it the South's oldest rivalry is because it's the longest continuously played game because Georgia and Auburn back in the 1800s had a game canceled because Georgia canceled football for a little bit because somebody died. And they kind of had to stop and reevaluate, do we want to keep playing this game? And here we are over 120 years later. But North Carolina and Virginia Tech, y'all can get out of here. Lame. <laughs> Somebody deep, died in the football game? Yes. And they were like, maybe we need to reevaluate this. That's and logical. They reevaluated and they're like, we're going to keep doing this. But by then, the Georgia Auburn game hadn't been played. And mm-hmm. so you have North Carolina and Virginia Tech up there just claiming to have this rivalry that just, it's false. Nah. False. So here we are, 2021. And. It's the Deep South's oldest rivalry. But it has, of late, been dominated by the University of Georgia. Auburn, in the past 10 meetings, has just won twice. Hmm. It has not, and this used to be the rivalry for a long time where it was the away team was the team that would win, and it would just ruin the other team's season. But in recent years, Auburn hasn't won in Athens in a long time. Their last two wins against Georgia uh, were 2013 in Auburn in 2017, and that's the, uh, the we whipped the dog crap out of them game before Georgia then beat them in Atlanta in the SEC championship <laughs> a few weeks later. So really fun rivalry, but I wanted to go back, and I don't know, PJ, if this will intrinsically interest you because you were just back there watching. Like, who, who would be around in the early 2000s for Penn State football? Who were some oh, of the best man. players? Uh, we, we didn't have a lot of good ones. Uh, early, early, early 2000s, you had, you know, LeVar Arrington there we and, go. And, and those great You're, defenses. You were distracted by LeVar. But, yeah, no, no, no. You also had Zach Mills at quarterback, and that's about it. Okay. He, he had to do everything. I believe I looked up the other day, in one game he had a passing, receiving, and rushing touchdowns. And yes. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, Penn State was still, like, 2-10 that season. Like, it was, it was wild. It was a wild time. Well, I, I don't know that – Three out of five of these will stick out in your minds inherently, but I do think they'll stick out uh, in Georgia and obviously Auburn fans' mind. And I think much like the series, a pretty even record here. I, I don't think I was overly biased in the games I picked. Uh, number five on the list, I have 2008 Georgia-Auburn. Georgia won that football game 17-13 to at Auburn. Uh, significance of this was you have number 10 Georgia going in. They had two losses already in conference play, and they were really trying to play for the rest of the season there. You have that's the, the Matthew Stafford era and Sean Moreno era Georgia, uh, and they have to come back down 13-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter. Uh, Matt Stafford hits A.J. Green on a long drive and completes that, caps that off uh, to get the 17-13 win, which is another close game. I could have picked, honestly, for number five, any out of like four or five games here because there's just so many tight games going on. Series. I could have picked uh, 2016 Kirby Smart's first year, Maurice Smith, the Alabama transfer that followed Kirby Smart there, picks that one off and takes it back against Auburn, and Georgia ends up winning that football game, what, 13-7 to 7, yep. uh, in that game? So, Wild. 
Could have picked any number, but that's what I went with, number five. I think the top four are pretty inarguable. Number four, 2001. There are, and we're going to talk about this on three and out, there are some players that played for your rival schools, like the, the team you root for, your rivals. There's some players that played for them that just haunt your dreams mm-hmm. and live in your nightmares. Yep. And you wake up in cold sweats. And a couple just growing up as a Georgia fan, a couple that stood out to me, uh, a little bit later, honestly, was Marcus Lattimore for South Carolina because cool. that dude just lived for destroying Georgia. Man. But <laughs> one, like when I was a child that caused me childhood trauma was Cadillac Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the dude was a freak yeah. at Auburn. And 2001, they go into Athens. Uh, and in the fourth quarter, you have Cadillac Williams go over the top and score the touchdown there from the goal line. Auburn holds on to win that football game. So I just, I just, it's so many times they just, they beat the hell out of Georgia. And it was Cadillac and Ronnie yeah, just, just running. running all over yeah. Georgia. So that's number four on the list. 2005, another Auburn win. This one, I think, might be actually be the second best game if you just want to go for like entertainment value from beginning of the game to the end of the game. But 2005, uh, the DJ Shockley season at Georgia. Final score of this one, Auburn 31-30 to mm-hmm. over Georgia. But you have a strip sack in this game where they, like very late in the game, uh, with a strip sack, DJ Shockley run it in for a touchdown. They kick a field goal uh, to win the football game. Just uh, an awesome game. Auburn with the upset uh, in Sanford Stadium, and this is really where we started to get to the back and forth affair. We just you go and Georgia go in the Jordan Hare and win the football game. Auburn would go into Sanford Stadium and win the football game the very next year. All right, top two I think are inarguable. Again, top five games from the past twenty years in the Deep South's oldest rivalry, two thousand and two. And I think we're we're pretty much getting to the point where if we start doing the top five of the past twenty years, we're, we're going to stop talking about this one, but. True. We're I mean, almost there, yeah. Michael Johnson will be etched in Georgia fan lore forever because of this win. David Green to Michael Johnson to the the Larry Munson touchdown. My God, a touchdown yeah. in the back corner of the end zone where just like it it wasn't honestly the best decision and it was more of a jump ball, but Michael Johnson <laughs> went up and grabbed it, came down, Larry, took Larry Munson about five minutes to figure out who had actually caught the ball. He said like two different guys <laughs> before he actually <laughs> he was like, Was it Terrence Edwards? Was it, was it Fred Gibson? <laughs> My, Michael jo- it was Michael Johnson. It was someone the, back yeah, there. Was so, someone got of, it. One of those players <laughs> caught that, but, I mean, just an awesome game. You got the classic Larry Munson call on that one. And just, again, a, a good football game, but more of a defensive struggle, more along the lines of the early 2000s SEC. Defensive struggle back and forth. You have David Green, the big lefty, hitting Michael Johnson in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. So that's number two mm-hmm. on the list. Number one. And there's no arguing, and I think it might actually be one of the more underrated games of the past 25 years in college football. We all remember one play from it, but actually, I want to pull the box score real quick so I can do this correctly. The prayer at Jordan-Hare. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's, like you said, it's inarguable with the way it finishes. But a lot of people you, you just had think to get of, to that point. A lot though. of people yeah. just think of one play, right? Mm-hmm. Where right. it's like this is – That was a good game. You have Nick Marshall to Ricardo Lewis – you have yeah. Vern Lundquist screaming like "No!" Like <laughs> yeah. as the ball in the air. Like I don't think he was. I don't think he was 
a lot of people say he was biased and didn't want Auburn to win. I think more so it was just Vern Lundquist is a football guy. He's consumed so much football. So when he sees two mm-hmm. safeties run into each other and yeah. a ball pop mm-hmm. up on a play that should have been an easy interception for Georgia, he just went, ah! I think it's hilarious when people say things like that about commentators because, like you said, in that point, he's a football fan. Yeah. He's 100% a football fan, not not biased or anything like that, and he yeah. sees the disaster happening in front of him. Like, it's, it's just it, You say that about anything, right? You you walk outside and you see something bad's about to happen to, to somebody else. You're still like, oh, God, oh, I am, no. I am not like, comparing myself to Vern Lundquist, but I was on the call – of and if, if a Benedictine fan's listening right now, I am sorry. Uh, I was on the call of the the Benedictine Jefferson game yeah. last year in the mm-hmm. semifinals of the state playoffs, and obviously Jefferson still has a Malachi Starks. He's a five star committed to Georgia. He played quarterback, but he's he's committed as a safety, and the dude's just like a six four freak of nature. Looks like a tarantula. Can line up anywhere on the field, but he looks like a tarantula Literally out anywhere. there. Just yeah. like the arms everywhere. It's it's amazing, but again as. Savannah football fans will remember last year, BC throws a fade route into the, like, it wasn't even the corner of the end zone. It was more like the middle portion of the end zone. Yeah. And literally as soon as the ball left Garner's hands, we're on the broadcast. I just go, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and I even more, more so biased because we're ESPN Savannah and we're broadcasting the game. Obviously we want the local Savannah team to win. It was just, oh no. Cause mm-hmm. he threw that fade route up against the safety like that. And what happens? Interception game over. Yep. Like it's just, so mm-hmm. I, I, I empathize and sympathize right. with Uncle Vern there. <laughs> so, but, but again, like I said, this was a classic game. Auburn goes up 27-7 to in the first half of this game. I don't think mm-hmm. people remember that. I think it was more of a – like people think it was more of a back-and-forth affair. And going back and watching the highlights to this, I'll add another hot take in here. Aaron Murray is the best college quarterback Georgia's ever had. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't think it's questionable. Right. Like, love Eric Zier, love Mike Bobo, David Green. Won so many football games. Won so many football games. Uh, Matthew Stafford, obviously the number one overall pick. Aaron Murray was light years ahead of him as a college quarterback. Agreed. Like, Matthew Stafford made some incredible throws and just showed off the arm talent. But just running a system and completing passes at a high level and have a functioning offense. Like, Georgia's offense was not the problem in the early 2010s. They just couldn't stop anybody on defense, i.e. this football game. <laughs> yeah. right? You, they couldn't stop yeah. anybody in big games on defense. It's just it's always – I know we're getting to the minutia of Georgia football fandom, but it's just always like the defense never matched up with the offense. Yeah, agreed. And, know, and like in 2012, you ran up against Alabama. Right. And if you if <laughs> yeah. Chris Conley then, if, yeah. yeah if Chris Conley doesn't catch that tip pass or that pass doesn't get tipped then you you just boat race or if you just spike the ball. yeah you you boat race course, you boat race yeah. Notre Dame in that national championship but we got off on a tangent there Aaron Murray <laughs> just going back and watching this Incredible. game it, yeah. it it just sealed it in my mind because we get lost in it like uh, Jake Fromm in the regular season went thirty three and three and so like you start losing mm-hmm. names Aaron Murray is the best college quarterback Georgia's had. Like he's be- he is so much better than JT Daniels. It's not funny. Yeah. Like JT Daniels is good. Aaron Murray was putting up over thirty points a game, like no questions asked. Yep. And having to fight in games like this, if you go back, Georgia takes the lead, and it's a Aaron Murray five yard rush, and it's they're down thirty seven thirty one. It's fourth and goal, and it was it was the Mike Winchell play 
from Friday Night Lights where Aaron Murray drops back, looks left, looks right. No one's there. He's been getting creamed all night, runs forward. He's getting just like doing the <laughs> slowest white dude jukes of all time. Yeah. And then he gets to the end zone and just gets absolutely massacred at the goal line. Mm-hmm. But he just kind of, but he did what Mike Winchell couldn't do. And he, he got that ball over the goal line, lays on the ground dead for about five minutes. And they, they, they sort of heave him off the yeah. field with a snow shovel. Still, and then, still ready to go the next yeah, week. Yeah. And then, know? and so they put him back out there and then, very next drive, chaos ensues. Of course. I mean, Georgia had actually sacked Nick Marshall prior to that play, and that's why Auburn kind of had to do it. It was a fourth down, 30 seconds left in the game. A lot of people were like, that was just a terrible decision because you could still pick up a first down, and there was half a minute left in this game. You didn't need a Hail Mary right there. Yeah. But it was just Nick Marshall, who was a defensive back from Georgia that had transferred to Auburn and was playing quarterback at Auburn, mm-hmm. just kind of floats one up there. And you have two Georgia safeties, boom, run into each other. Ball pops up and just like an Auburn angel, yep. like grabbed the ball, moved it, and dropped it into Ricardo Lewis's hands and just said, here, have this. And they scored the touchdown. I mean, you can't – it's one of those ones where like sitting here now, what, eight years later, I can go – I can watch that game and I'm like, all right, this doesn't hurt anymore. No. I'm, I'm ready to. I can it just, just hurt kind of appreciate. We were number it. 25 in the country. No, anyway. but still, it that didn't that, hurt. that one was like yeah, it was brutal, but it doesn't it doesn't hurt now. That's number one on my list, but my number two is different from yours. Uh, Cam Newton uh, beating Georgia 49 like 31. That wasn't 31. a good game. No, it wasn't. But it was a good game for Cam because what he had going on. That was the game. So, this is another I really reason like why Cam I, I am an Aaron Murray stand on this show. Is he that game? Good. That game you had. Who's the defensive lineman for Auburn that year? Uh, Nick uh, something. Oh, uh, Nick Fairley. Nick Fairley. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. He absolutely murdered Aaron Murray in that yeah. game multiple <laughs> times. Had so many flags on him. Like yeah. he would not have been playing in that game if that game was played today. Like he would have been ejected from the game. The first quarter. Yeah. yeah he, he like he gone. was like yeah. they were like Aaron Murray was bloodied in that game and went shot for shot with Cam Newton and Auburn just pulled away. Yeah. At the end, no one was being. Yeah, it was twenty eight. Twenty eight. That was and that was true freshman Aaron Murray mm-hmm. going into yeah. Auburn. But so, like, Aaron Murray stand. Like, we, we stand. Well, I think that's what makes Aaron Murray so dang impressive is, is he was so efficient. He could do anything he wanted. He, he could make those throws and, and do and, – and, you know, do anything he wanted with his legs as well with yeah. as, his athleticism as a freshman from the beginning. I remember the first game he played, I think his first touchdown was a, like, 20-something yard rushing touchdown. And I was like, wait a minute, Georgia has that? Yep. Oh, holy that, – that's, that's, that's going to be a, di- a difference maker here. For so, sure. obviously mm-hmm. – you know, so I, you I completely agree with your take on, on both fronts. Yeah, top five, in my opinion, Georgia games uh, versus Auburn of the past – or Georgia-Auburn games, I should say, because Auburn won a few of those – of the past 20 years. We'll take a quick break here. We'll come back with more right here on Second Down. We have playoff baseball coming your way starting tomorrow. We'll have Astros and White Sox in game one of that series. But coming up Friday, game one. Brewers, Braves, first pitch, 437. You'll be able to catch that right here on ESPN Radio. And just a huge series coming up. We'll have Charlie Morton against Corbin Burns in that game. Really looking forward to this playoff series. I think a very winnable series for the Atlanta Braves. Really quick segment here because I want to have plenty of time with our next guest. We'll go ahead and take one more break here. We'll come back and we will reveal the surprise guest because Cam doesn't know. PJ doesn't know, you don't know, but I think you'll be pleasantly surprised when we come back right here on ESPN Radio. Listen, I told you guys 
we had a massive guest coming up, and not to overhype them too much and, and make them nervous, because I don't think you can. This per- is a person who performs in front of hundreds of thousands of people in like in person, and then millions of people across the globe. I mean, really, I think responsible more so than anyone uh, for the dominating performance from Georgia that we saw on Saturday afternoon. Cam, do you have any guess as to who we have on the program right now? I don't want to guess. Let's go. Joining us now, the captain and former member of Second Down, Southern (laughs) Brit on the program. Southern, what is going on? Hey, guys. I miss you guys. I miss doing Second Down with y'all. Don't lie to us. You're living the dream. You're the (laughs) cheerleading captain at the University of Georgia. You're in Sanford Stadium every Saturday. You're going to be in Jordan-Hare this Saturday. You do not miss us at all. Well, you know, there's pros and cons to not being in Savannah anymore, but I do miss you guys, and I love tuning in when I can. Well, there we go. So let's let's break it down. I mean, yeah, game day on hand in Athens this past Saturday. It's a noon kick, which was it's kind of an awkward scenario because nobody thought Arkansas was going to be that good, so they scheduled that game at noon, and really the result is what people thought it was going to be when they scheduled it, but the atmosphere there was absolutely nuts. You've been – on the field at a lot of Georgia games. Where did that one rank in terms of noise and atmosphere for you? Uh, That's a great question. Um, You know, the Notre Dame game a couple years back, uh, it was a night game. That one was probably the loudest I've ever heard Stanford Stadium get. It was pretty rowdy. And I would say Arkansas would definitely rank in the top five. It was crazy loud. There wasn't there weren't many fans that were on their seats. Everyone was up and getting loud, and it was just a really, really great thing to be a part of. And, again, just a huge performance, not just from the team, but from the fans. I know Kirby Smart talked about that a lot, just getting rowdy early uh, in Sanford Stadium. Because I know a lot of times those noon games, you don't have that same kind of atmosphere out there. Right. And I think, too, he said, get angry. And, actually, the fan base got really stoked about getting angry. And everyone did. It had a great um, great show out. And something really cool is, like you said, it was a noon game. We don't typically have that kind of atmosphere for a noon, noon game. But um, early, right before pregame, usually that's when fans are kind of strolling in, taking their time, and the stadium was packed. So it was definitely um, not normal, and it was awesome. And I definitely think it impacted the players' uh, play. Uh, so break it down for us. You've, you've been closer than anybody to this Georgia team, and you've seen a lot of Georgia teams over the past few years. What is it about this team that's making them so special? Oh, man. I don't want to jinx anything because we know how Georgia teams that, that, can be. thousand percent. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say I think something about the Georgia Bulldogs this year is they're just tenacious. They want what's theirs, and they get after it. Um, where I think a couple years back we were – more, uh, I guess, less disciplined and more apt to make small mistakes. Now they're just executing, executing, executing every chance they get. And I think they got that tunnel vision. Um, like a horse, they got those, those tunnel vision that's just right after the race that they have set in front of them. And I think that's why we're so dominant this year. So, I mean, we've, we've seen performance after performance, and obviously Georgia's played some big road games. What's been your favorite stadium uh, that you've been able to go to outside of Sanford during your time? Ooh, during my entire time as a Georgia cheerleader? Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, man. Um, You know what? Actually, my sophomore year, so I guess 
that would be 28, fall 2018, we went to USC, the South Carolina game. And USC had a pretty great atmosphere. The students were getting really rowdy. And uh, we, you know, we still got to beat them. So that made it all the better. But <laughs> um, it was really good. It was really fun. And you've obviously been to Jordan here as well, right? Yeah, I actually have. I was a junior when we went to Auburn last. And um, I don't know if you remember, but that was a really good game. We were um, down for a little bit and we came back. And I remember being so stoked. And this year, I don't know if we'll let Auburn have that much of a say in our play. I think that uh, the Georgia Bulldogs will have more dominance this year, I hope. so. Um, but Jordan-Hare is a great stadium, an epic stadium to get to cheer at and just to cheer on the Bulldogs at. So I'm excited. Southern Brit joining us here on Second Down, former member of Second Down, uh, and, of course, cheerleading captain at the University of Georgia. All right, you got a score prediction for us on Saturday? Uh, say that again? You got a score prediction for us? Oh, man. <laughs> with with how we've been doing lately, um, uh I don't, but I think that we'll keep Auburn at, at zero. Maybe, maybe let them have a field goal. Wow, that's the that's the coach's wow. daughter right there, Cam. She's like, listen, defense. I, she's like, she's defense, and I, I'm not going to give you a full score prediction. I just know we got to keep them out of the end zone. There you go, Southern <laughs> Brit joining us here on Second Down. Southern, travel safe out to Auburn. Always welcome on the show. Thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit. Oh, thank you. Miss you guys. Y'all have a good one. So, I mean, Cam, you heard it there. Three points or zero points. That'd be three straight SEC shutouts. Uh, yeah, I mean that's a lot of points to. Oh, that's not a lot of points. Yeah, yeah. Three points for uh, Bo and them at home. Uh, I, I mean, like... does it? But I mean, think about it. You're sitting there at Saturday at seven o'clock, and that's the case. Are you surprised? Am I surprised? How many points does Georgia score? I think this is going to be – I think Auburn's got a little bit better defense than Georgia's seen so far. Not great, but a little bit better. I 31 to I, 3. I could see the score being 31 to 10. I think Auburn I think gets Auburn's a late – put it in, put in the end zone? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, this Georgia defense isn't perfect, but they're really good. And I, I and what I mean by 10, I say 10 points in the fourth quarter when they're down uh, 31 So three. game's already out of hand. So Georgia game's already out of in. hand. Yeah, I, I got to – Auburn has to get a touchdown. There's no way. If we hold this Auburn wait, team so to wait, three so wait, points. So if, if you were a gambling man and yeah. you were just doing the prop bet, Auburn scores a touchdown over under one touchdown, you're, you're, you're going with the – or over under .5 touchdowns, you're going with the over? Man, <laughs> this is hard. Yeah, I, I'll go with the over because I just think they're going to get like a, a touchdown at the very end or beginning of the fourth where you, you kind of catch the defense slipping a little bit. They get some good field advantage and – Bo or uh, Tank Bisbee puts one in the end zone, man. I don't know where I'm at right now because so many people have been mad at us throughout this season because we've overhyped Georgia's opponents so far. Yeah, we're like, listen, you know, well, you it's good. We're, but we're like UAB. That's a really good team. Like they're a, <laughs> they're a conference champion from last year coming in. They got a good quarterback. They got their 300 pounds across the line. They're just absolutely massacred. I don't think uh, Arkansas is overrated, though. I think Georgia's is that good. Arkansas is better than no, 90% what did, of the country. No, but what did we do with Arkansas last yeah, we, week? Oh, we the, took, oh the, yeah, the, this is going to be a the, tough yeah, one. The yeah, the rumblings were there. Stetson, or Stetson might have to start, and Arkansas just took down top 10 Texas A&M, and that's a good football team, right? It's coming into Sanford State. It's a noon kick. Is Georgia going to be sleepy? Steamrolling. We, this is the first time. I mean, I'm just thinking of the things I said. Is this the first time that Georgia's really seen a dual-threat quarterback? That, I mean, that's so usually the Achilles heel of a Kirby Smart defense. Are we going to see that take him down? And Georgia just bludgeoned him from start to finish. So 
I, I don't want to overcorrect and go go the other way and be like, okay, now Georgia's going to go into Jordan Hare and just massacre Auburn. But now I'm kind of feeling like that. Man. Like watching, watch that Georgia State Auburn tape. Yeah, Georgia but State was running all over Auburn. Do I think Georgia will win the game? Yes, but this is a it's a hostile environment. It's going to be rocking. It's going to be rocking. And this is some of their first true road tests. So we'll have to see. I've seen it before, and I'm not going to speak much on it. Auburn scares me just like South Carolina does. There you go. Well, we got three and out coming up next. P.J. Bennett, Ben Troop, Kevin Thomas coming up. Uh, they'll be joined by Ronnie Brown, uh, one of the members of that amazing backfield for Auburn back in the day, running alongside Cadillac Williams and uh, Hester uh, back there just – some amazing running backs throughout the history of Auburn and Ronnie Brown, one of them. He's going to join us coming up in the 3 o'clock hour.